Welcome to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. Each week on Living by Faith, we will hear from God's Word, engage with captivating guests, and be encouraged to live by faith in our everyday. Today, we're going to be talking about launching our kids. I am in the middle of about to start that, and it is it is wild. It's interesting. When I think about being a mom, I don't tend to gravitate towards how to train your children. Now, I know those books are awesome. Um, I'm so grateful for them, but I don't tend to gravitate towards things like that. I think of them, my kids, in terms of discipleship, like I would anyone else. The command to go and make disciples of all nations also applies to our homes and my my neighbors right in the next room near me. Um, So one of the greatest gifts the Lord showed me very early into my parenting, which let's be honest, I'm still very early into my parenting. um, But one of the best things was that I can't save my kids. I can't make my kids believe. But I can keep sharing the gospel and my life with them. I can listen. I can encourage. There's so much I can do, but I can't save them. I can't make their hearts change. God has to do that work. And I love the examples of Lois and Eunice in the Bible, the mother and grandmother of Timothy. So Timothy was a young pastor and Paul's child in the faith. So the apostle Paul, Paul loved Timothy for his faithfulness to the text and his friendship. When everyone was abandoning Paul during his imprisonment in Rome, Timothy remained faithful to Paul through prayers and tears. Paul was greatly affected by the ministry and love of his apprentice. And Paul attributes Timothy's faith and character to his mother's and his grandmother's faithful witness. Paul references um, the legacy of these women in two different places. First, we see it when he is thanking God for Timothy and his faith. He reminds him that his sincere faith dwelt first in his grandmother, Lois, and then his mother, Eunice. And this is what he says, and he's saying this in 2 Timothy 1.5. Now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So these, the faith of these women um, that, that encouraged him, it now dwells in Timothy, Paul says. Later on, Paul encourages Timothy to stay strong in the word, not being deceived and under the persecution um, that surely comes from those who follow Christ. And yet again, he reminds him that he learned and firmly believed the word from a young age from childhood. So Eunice and Lois invested in Timothy to teach him about God. The gospel was passed on to Timothy and from Timothy to other generations. And even more importantly, Timothy now enjoys the benefits of being with Christ forever. Now, two things. (laughs) The first thing is, I'm obviously talking about mothers and and this example because, well, I'm a mother and Paul is referencing the mother and grandparents, but of course, parents, all parents matter. So we are just thinking about mothers, but fathers matter. So they're so important, so encouraging, and and we need you dads. Um, But the reality is that it doesn't always end that way. And we need to entrust our kids to the Lord. Today's guest will help us do just that. 
Jamie Ivey is the creator and host of the popular podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy, a central gathering place for talking about life and Jesus. Jamie is an author who shares gospel truths with raw, redemptive stories from her life. She loves to deliver God-empowering messages to women. Jamie and her husband, Aaron, live in Austin, Texas with their four teenagers and two dogs. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. It is so fun. Now, Jamie and I were just talking before she came on. She is a podcast host and she has hosted all sorts of stuff. And I learned today she's also been on radio. She's done everything. (laughs) And what's so fun is that you're now at the hot seat. I have had the joy of being a guest on your show. Yes, you have. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And I, I... cannot begin to tell you how exciting it was for me when you said yes to my invitation. I thought, I wonder if she'll naturally just start interviewing me. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just naturally turn the tables. <laughs> when you put two hosts together, it's like, who's going to win? You know, it's like, it's a challenge till the end. But you know what? It's I'm a- happy this Saturday morning to let you lead everything, okay? <laughs> I know, it is early, so we'll, that's, that's so great. But it is, yeah, it is an absolute joy. And here's another thing that's fun. You've done podcasts, but this is a live show. Yes. And so I want to encourage you listeners, our phone lines are open. If you have a question, give us a call at 877-548-3675 or 877-LIVE-675. We'd also love to hear from you via email at livingbyfaith@moody.edu. Let us know where you're listening and give us give us a call. We would love to hear from you. All right. So, Jamie, I want our our listeners to get to know you a little bit mm-hmm. more. So tell us a little bit more about you, your background, what you do. And I would love to hear your testimony. Mm. Oh, that is so much. OK, I'll start with. What oh, I that do. is so much. So yeah, one, <laughs> one thing at a time. Just tell I'll us about start yourself. with what I do in life as a job. And you mentioned radio. I was telling you before we started that I was in radio for a super hot minute in 2011. It's a crazy story. But I, I don't know how you feel about radio, but I loved it so much. In fact, just this week, I came home from work and I told my family, guys, you're not going to believe what happened. And the radio station that I worked at here in Austin invited me to come back for a day to sit in. And it just made oh! me so happy. And <laughs> I'm happy awesome. to be here with you this morning in radio. So I, I really do love radio. And in fact, that's what got me started in the podcast world. So in 2011, I was a host at a country radio station here in town. I was one of the on-air morning show hosts. And it was just so fun. And life circumstances, and God just really asked me to lay that down. Uh, But it pushed me towards podcasting. And so in 2014, almost 10 years, next year will be a decade, I can't believe it, started podcasting. um, And I started a show, and I, you know, this was 10 years ago. I didn't know that I'd still be doing this 10 years from now. I would have given a lot more thought to everything had I known this was going to become a career. Uh, But it's called The Happy Hour, and the reason I wanted to name it that is because I really, anytime my friends and I would get together, whether that was at a soccer game or, you know, for dinner or in the middle of the day for lunch or play dates with our kids, like, what did we talk about? And we would talk about things that mattered to us, and it always would go back to Jesus if we were all believers. And so I just wanted a show that was like that. So that's what I've been doing for 10 years. And because of that, I've been able to write books and um, travel and speak and do amazing things. So that's my work life. And like I love you it. said, I'm a mom to four and my oldest is in college and my two, and then I have two senior boys this year. And then I have a freshman daughter. 
So that's me. And, I and, and my husband's a pastor. My husband's a pastor here in Austin, Texas. Yes. And we love Aaron. I have one of his books um, about Charles Spurgeon. Yes. Oh, I uh-huh. can't think of the name. Still Away Home. Still Thank away home. you. Still yes. Away Home. And so love good. the music and his worship mm-hmm. leading. Anyways, but yes. this isn't. We, we'll talk about Aaron some other time. <laughs> but <laughs> his ears are burning. But That's you right. Know, yeah, yeah. I love that you were in radio and doing country music. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I do wonder about your testimony. What yeah. what led from that to mm-hmm. this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a still big country music fan. Like I love country yes. music, and so that was fun for me uh, to be on that show. But part of my my story of following Jesus is I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad have loved the Lord since I was a little child, and so we were a church going family. Um, I, I was going to say religious, but that's not really true. Like we, my parents loved the Lord. And so we were part yeah. of the church and I grew up knowing about God and all the things. And when I got into high school, um, I really wandered away from the Lord. And in fact, I now, you know, all these years removed, I don't know that I had a relationship with him. Um, I thought, it, I think it was just kind of, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, but I wandered really, really far and really went to college and decided who I was going to be. And it was not someone who looked like a follower of Jesus. And so really lived a crazy life and a lot of um, drunkenness and sexual immorality and all the things and had an encounter uh, with Jesus at Passion Conference in 1999. And it changed my life. And I started following Jesus in 1999 and haven't looked back. And then, um, Three years later, married my husband, which was a whole nother thing because I just felt like I brought a lot of baggage into our marriage because I just had a different child, a different adolescent experience than he did with a lot of things. And so God has been so gracious to me um, to help me learn and understand his kindness and his grace and his mercy. And um, so that's my story of coming to follow Jesus. And then I've been just trying to walk in his ways every single day. I trip up a lot, Trillia, and I get back yeah. up and, and keep going. But that's my story of following him. Praise the Lord. We all kind of trip and yeah. keep going. Now, you told your story in one of your books. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Okay, yeah, tell the first us about book that. I ever wrote is called If You Only Knew. And the title, only because knew, yes. I really felt like when I, especially Trillia, when I married someone who worked inside of a church, to me, I felt like if these people knew my story, because part of my story is I was pregnant twice in college. I lost both those babies to miscarriage, um, but just felt pretty used and abused. I, I yeah. grew up in the, I grew up in this, what people are calling now, like this purity culture era, um, which I, I'm for purity. Like God demands our sexual purity. Right. But I yeah. had a lot of just hardships around that and felt a lot more shame than God would ever want me to feel. In fact, he would want me to feel none, you know? And so Mm. walked around with a lot of shame from my sexual history. And so in that book, I tell that story of just really God redeeming me and working through that. And the most beautiful thing about that is every time I share my story is someone says to me like, wow, if you can be comfortable with where you've been and what God has done in your life, then I can as well. And that's just beautiful, you know? And so um, I'm way far removed from that. Um, And it's easy for me to talk about because it doesn't define me at all today. But it it was a journey for me those first couple of years of following Jesus for sure. I, I am so grateful. If you only knew, and this came out in 2018. Yes. And I, yes, I remember receiving it and reading it and just how the Lord has 
empowered you now to be able to have a voice for those who mm. feel shame and guilt mm-hmm. and how they can now be encouraged in the Lord. I want to actually talk to you about how your story maybe affects the way you you parent. And so oh, when this we... is going to turn into a counseling session. For you. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Hey, I'm ready. Okay, I'm not ready. I'm not a counselor, but we will will be mutually encouraged. Okay, I'll take it by one. And yes, yes. Let me remind our listeners: our phone lines are open. So when we return, feel free to give us a call: eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five eight seven seven live six seven five. We'll be back. Welcome back. You are listening to Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell. And I am really happy to have Jamie Ivey, podcaster, awesome woman of God, extraordinaire friend also (laughs) on the show today. And we are talking about launching kids and how to how in the world do you disciple children? It is hard work. And before we took our little break, we were talking about Jamie's story and how it might affect how she parents. So that's what I want to talk about. How how has what you've gone through and um, the struggles that you dealt with informed your parenting, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, I think that something I've learned in this last decade of life, for sure, I'm 45, has been how much we bring as parents, we bring our childhood into our parenting. And so I am by no means a, a psychiatrist or an expert, but I've just read a lot and learned a lot about that. And I've seen it in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that is hard for me as a mom is my personality is bent towards fear and my personality is bent towards anxiety. So as if us moms don't need any more fear and anxiety to add to our lives as we're parenting children in the world, I have like this constant level of it that I'm always trying to battle and and turn over to the Lord. But then you add on top of that, the life I lived from 16 to 21, I am in a, not a constant, I was going to say a constant state of fear. That's not really true. True. I'm constantly having to check me placing my life experiences on my children. Does that make sense? Uh, Yes, (laughs) Yes. Like completely, um, worried that they're going to make the same mistakes. And a part of that is I'm not dumb. You know, I I, I was a teenager once. I know what teenagers want and desire. And I actually lived a pretty crazy life. And so I I understand that. And so for me, Trillia, having to parent through that is a lot of me having to, to, to find the balance between being a smart mom and then one who gives everything over to the Lord. And that is a hard place to be that balance is hard um because i don't want to be an aloof mom who's like yeah, oh, yeah god's in control and i don't need to worry about anything which both those things are true statements but we also right. have agency here and god gave us that and i also don't want to be the mom that's like i control everything like i will make sure you guys make all the right choices i will hold all these boundaries so tightly that you can't even breathe and there then i'll have great kids because that's not helpful either so i think right. that's how it's affected my parenting of just trying to find that balance all the time uh i told i understand and i relate i my kids are 17 and 13 Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And <laughs> the moment they, which was a lot sooner than 17 and 13, the moment they were able to communicate, hey, mom, you're, you seem like you're being a little, you know, fearful or, mm-hmm. or joke, sarcastically joke, mom, I'm not going to mm-hmm. come home. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I realized, oh, man, where's this coming from? Why? Why is it? So yeah. I, I grew up in a very, very loving home, but not a Christian home. So mm-hmm. um, my we were calling I call us holiday Christians. We would go yeah. just on holidays, but so loving, so loving. But without boundaries, I could do kind of whatever I wanted. And mm-hmm. so because of that, except for inside the home. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) that's a different. And so because of that, I have found myself trying to figure out how to balance that. Hey, I I trust or I'm trying to trust you children. I've got raised children that you can trust um, with Hey, you need boundaries. Mm -hmm. You've got to have boundaries. So that has been such an interesting wrestling match for my own heart and my own self. And then we we're we're launching kids. You're launching kids. You've got kids mm-hmm. launched. I'm about to. I'm in that that season. So mm-hmm. how do you how has have you launched them to be okay? You're now you're now kind of on your own. Mm. What are some things that you've done or because you you have a podcast on this, don't you? Mm-hmm. I do. I have a podcast that I co-host with my friend Lisa Whittle called Launch. And yeah. it's all about parenting and, and launching kids. And I'm telling you, let me just tell you, we recorded that first season of launch in May or something around 2022. Right. And I was having a hard season at home with kids. And I, I left. We had two days of recording. I left both those days and went home and, and literally cried, like Ugh. just cried because I felt like a failure. Like I felt like I'm a failure of a mom. I can talk to you about raising kids, but yet I'm struggling at home with a kid and all these things. And God has been so gracious in our journey with having to lay down, like, I'm not a failure of a mom. This is just really, really hard work. Yeah. And I think that's what Aaron and I, my husband, talk about a lot of, like, are there things that we could do better? Yes. Can we look back and see mistakes we've made? Yes. But we don't want to live with this idea of, like, oh, I'm such a failure because my kid made this mistake. Right. Because the reality is, you said in your opener, which was so good, the reality is we can't save our kids. Mm-mm. And I remember probably my kid, if he's 17, it was probably like 10 years ago. I remember I had this conversation with him. And um, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it, it ties yeah. in here. We were, it was after like an, a service where the gospel had been clearly presented at church and my child happened to be in the service with me. Okay. So he's probably seven, eight, nine years old mm-hmm. and I'm tucking him in in bed at night. And I was, and we were talking about church, just like a random conversation. And then it led for an opportunity for me to talk about like what was said and salvation, all the things and we went through it and he was listening. And I was like, I said, you know, like, salvation's a gift it's open to all of us would you be interested in like deciding to follow jesus and and accept this good gift of i mean i went through the whole thing and i literally was like inside trillia i'm like mom of the year like i'm about (laughs) to like score so many crowns in heaven i'm gonna walk out of this bedroom and i'm gonna tell aaron ivy like i am the best mom that's ever lived and so i'm just like i'm waiting for this moment i'm gonna hear angels singing all the things and i asked him the question and he said no i don't want to Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I had this moment of like, wait, what? Like, this is not how this is supposed to play out. Like, this is supposed to like be our moment. And, and the Holy Spirit had probably prepared me for this moment. And I said, that's okay. 
That's great. You know, yes. like this is always available. It's great. And so I left and I didn't feel defeated probably because just of life experiences and the way Aaron and I parent, but I didn't feel defeated. But what I did remember was like, it's not my job to save my kids. Yes. Like I could not have done anything in that moment that would have given myself the glory. And on yep. the flip side, Trillia, parenting teenagers who this is not a diss on teenagers. You were a teenager. I was a teenager. Every teenager makes poor decisions because yes. their brains are not fully developed, you know, right. and it's a hard yeah. world that we live in. So they all make dumb decisions. That is not a <laughs> slam. It is a fact. It is. And so yep. we also live in this world where we're parenting teenagers who are going to make some poor decisions. And if I can't save them, I also can't damn them to hell. Like it's mm. not on me. And so That's I think- good. That parenting has been a shift for me of like, I have responsibility. God's asked me to steward these kids. They're not mine. They're his. I need to own it to my mistakes. I need to apologize. But I also have to say like, it's, it's not 100% my responsibility. You know, this is what? God's thing. A relief, isn't it? Like the burden a huge relief. Yes. is taken off yes. when, we're, when we're not trying to save our children. But I love, mm. love that you also highlight, hey, we also can't damn them to hell. We can't. Exactly. Yeah, that is, there's there, there's a lot of pressure cooker gone um, mm -hmm. when we experience that kind of living in grace and living, yeah, yeah living in the yeah. freedom of, of God, what he has already given us. And, you know, it's funny, I have a similar story, but not at seven. My, my son, when he, he's into philosophy and he's, mm -hmm. he's, just a thinker, but when he was four, so not even, mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> you know, barely walking, you know, um, he, he, he's, we were driving down the street. I don't know what I was playing or what I was doing, but I was listening maybe to a song and then talking to him about the Lord. And he said, this is a four-year-old. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe you. And I was like, what? <laughs> you don't believe me? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> What does that mean? And then he he goes on. Well, where is God? Mm. And and then he's talking about his figurine. So he's like these tangible things. There's Spider Man and Superman and all these things. And and he's like, well, where's God? And at mm. that moment, that's actually the moment I felt this kind of relief to try mm. to because I realized I was like, well, Lord, can you show up in a burning bush? Is there a way yeah. you can reveal yourself right now? But I realized at that moment, I one I didn't know what to say to him, but two. <laughs> And yeah. I think I said something like, you know, um, well, uh, <laughs> God is real. And one day you, I pray you'll believe. And he was like, OK. And I was OK. But but I knew I at that moment, faith is a gift. Mm -hmm. God has to do yep. that work. And yep. so that it's was totally actually right. my moment. That was my mm. moment. But that doesn't mean that it's still it that it's not hard. As you yeah. mentioned, teenagers um it's 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 I love my teens. I actually want Same, to change. Too. Yep. I want to change the narrative on mm -hmm. the terrible teen. They are so much fun and we have real conversation. I love them. Yep. But it is hard. And mm. so part of this hard, the hard part for me, and I, I wonder if it's for you, is that there is a sort of letting go as they they're just getting older. My son, he's mm -hmm. he's driving. He has a car. He takes off in that car and I'm thinking yep. I I've never been on my knees more and then mm -hmm. you have to trust that he'll make good decisions and come home and do you know mm -hmm. so have yep. you had to what are some things that you've done as not just saving faith but like 
practically you're they're mm-hmm. leaving they're launching they're they're doing their thing what, what are some things that you've had to preach to yourself or practically put in to practice mm-hmm. as you're launching them out yeah one of the things i mentioned a little bit earlier is i had to tell myself a lot that my kids are not me and, oh, and what i good. mean by that is that like just because i made all these terrible mistakes in high school and listen my kids have made mistakes none of us are perfect but just because i made all these i can't automatically assume that they're going to because what that does it's and again i don't want to be stupid and naive but i don't want to make them something that they're not you know i don't want to assume something about them just because it was part of my life experiences so there's that uh the other thing is this is this is maybe like not good advice for your for your listeners but i remember (laughs) when i had young kids i thought to myself i used to think to myself if my parents would have just stayed up and waited for me to come home every night and maybe I wouldn't have gotten in maybe I wouldn't have done so many bad things so when you're younger you can blame a lot of things on your parents but then when you have teenagers you start to go oh okay so they were actually doing the best that they actually could and so I remove all blame for my parents yeah but I remember Trillia that I when I had little kids I was like I will wait up every single night for these children I will not go to sleep until they come home and I have some friends that still do that but I need to tell you that I'm tired and I cannot be waiting up till midnight in the summer every night of the week. Like I have a job, I have a life, I have hormones. I cannot wait up till midnight. And so one of the things that I've had to literally give to God is to give to God to say, I can't wait mm. up till midnight every night. Like I, I literally physically can't. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that I don't care. I can't. And so one of the things is like, God, I'm gonna trust you with these kids from 10 to 12 as I'm asleep. <laughs> I like that advance. Parents, sleep. That's a good advice. Entrust them to your kids and take a nap. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Well, when we get back, we will talk more with Jamie Ivey. Thanks. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillian Newbell. It has been a joy to talk to Jamie Ivey about parenting and launching and our mistakes and all sorts of things related to our kids. And one of the things that you said, Jamie, right before the break, you said, kids aren't me. (laughs) And Mm. I... That resonated with me. I thought, okay, this is good. And Mm -hmm. I want us to dig into that because I I have a feeling that a lot of us parent or or look at our children and either try to make them us or Mm -hmm. we're trying, I don't know, we're trying to um, project like our own mistakes on them. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. that that you could go with this. So tell us how how has that helped you or what are some of our temptations when we're looking at our children and comparing them to ourselves? You know, one of the things that also has been a little bit harder for Aaron and I is we both grew up in Christian homes that were pretty uh, conservative. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I just mean there were a lot of rules, a lot of things. And we knew that when we raised our kids, we wanted their faith to be their own. And Mm -hmm. so my husband's a pastor. I work in, you know, I have a Christian podcast. I write Christian books. There's this temptation to look at our kids and wonder, why are you not more spiritual? And we have four kids. Yeah. And so every kid's different. That's also a whole nother conversation. But you, there's a tendency to look, why aren't you where we think you should be at this age? Or why aren't you more like us? Or why aren't you like the other pastor kids, you know, or why all the whys? And so that's one side. And then one side that we talked about for the break was me 
not projecting, oh, my kids, just because they're teenagers, doesn't mean they're going to make the same mistakes I did. They're going to make mistakes, but I hope and I pray every day that they're not the mistakes I made because my mistakes had lasting effects. Right. Um, and so there is this opportunity for us as parents to look at our kids almost as a clean slate and almost as like this idea that God, you're the, you're the creator here. You're the master here. You're the artist here. And so let us assist you. Let us be a part of this, but let us not try to take over and make this masterpiece our own because this is not our masterpiece. This is yours. And so that is hard because at some points in their life, you're like, Oh, I would, I think that this should be different or all these kind of questions come in. And then you're also coming in with like, how do we be awesome, godly parents who point our right. kids to Jesus in every moment and also let them find him on their own the same way you were talking about the conversation with your four-year-old, which I was like, <laughs> oh, Trillia, you knew at that point you had your work in for you. <laughs> and so I just feel like I want to encourage parents. I don't really have all the answers, but I want to encourage parents to say like, man, what we need to do is we need to see how do we consistently point our kids to Jesus? How do we let them make yeah. their own choices, good, bad, in between all the others? And how do we show them grace on the other side of the hard ones? How do we show them like courage and and confidence on the side of the good ones and mm. then walk alongside them no matter what and that feels like easy to say and both of us are parenting teenagers it feels hard in some moments uh -huh. and we bring our own sin struggles to the table we think we bring our own fears to the table and my husband and I have different fears for our kids you know oh, and yeah. so it is so much a part of like a literal daily handing your kids back over to God and I'll Absolutely. be honest, that's hard for me because a, this sounds weird, but sometimes I just forget like, Oh, I think I'm the one in charge here. You know, like I like, Oh, oh yeah. yeah, there's a God of the universe that created us all. And then also like just feeling like, man, it's there's, it feels riskier. This sounds funny, but it feels riskier to hand them over to God because I have this false idea that if I'm in control, I can make sure everything turns out. Okay. And that has never worked for me yet. And so I don't know why I still cling to it so often, uh, but those are the temptations that I would fall into. I absolutely relate to all of those things. I, I wrote a article once that I called the superstitious faith. Oh. And yeah, because you think you're, you're like, oh, if I don't do this, then God's going to do this or I've got to do this. And like you have right. control, but you don't. <laughs> Yes. And so you've got this like superstitious faith and and I can I have had to oh my goodness do I relate to thinking that if they just do it my way right <laughs> that yeah that they will and I and I can tend to think that about off everyone just do it my mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. which is pride it's pride mm -hmm. and yeah. so the lord has oh humbled me with having children just to and and to know that they are different and it's a different generation. They totally. are growing up in so it's so different that it's mm -hmm. shocking sometimes when I'm talking to my my children, even and not to derail. I do not want to derail this conversation. But when I grew up, there was a hookup culture. There's mm -hmm. not in this generation. They don't seem to do those kinds of I mean, I'm sure they're doing them, but it's not the same intensity kind of hooking up here hooking up there they're actually so on their phones that mm -hmm. we're like hey um maybe you can get in person <laughs> mm -hmm. totally cool. that's a conversation you should have on here because it is okay. so true like not with me i'm not a professional but it is true <laughs> that we see our kids and they're so 
uh, online interactions. And and our generation of kids probably are the first generation. Well, I don't know. See, again, I'm not professional, but they're one of the first generations to grow up completely with technology. So yeah. you and I, the internet was new for us, you know, yeah. late high school. Yeah. And now our kids have had access to internet, digital, all the things since they came out of the womb. And so it is a whole nother way of parenting that honestly, we're like the guinea pigs. We don't know what we we're are. We have no idea what to do. We're over here just trying to figure it out left and right. And our poor kids, like, I think this is my very, very, um, like not professional opinion. I think either our kids generation or their kids generation are going to swing the opposite way because yes. they're going to see the dangers mm -hmm. of it. Like, online interaction more than we did because we didn't know it it's almost like smoking i've heard someone compare this to smoking when smoking first came out they're like oh it's, there's nothing wrong with it everything's okay and then the next generation was like actually guys this is deadly like we shouldn't be just having smoking everywhere i've heard people compare internet to that with this next generation and that's we could on a tangent you don't want to do that but you should have someone on to talk oh, about it no. it's important yeah. yeah it is so important and i think it is absolutely true that i am i can imagine that pendulum swing happening yeah because yeah, but yeah, because it's so, it's it's just so pervasive, and we don't mm -hmm. know. But it also has because, like you said, we don't know what we're doing, and yeah. so trying to parent this different culture and landscape has been it's been tricky and interesting, and so we can't apply some of the same tactics. Mm -hmm. We have to be thinking a little different. But yep. you wrote a book, a kid's book. Mm. And and I wonder if if some of this that you're talking about, kids are not me, inspired it. God made you to be you. God, mm -hmm. That's your book, board book. God yeah. made you yeah. to be you. Is that inspired a little bit by this? Well, it is inspired. I had a book for adults that came out before that called You Be You. And the whole yes. premise of that was hey, listen, Christian women, stop trying to be everybody else. Be the person God made you to be. Like, stay in your lane, run your race, quit looking left and right, quit comparing, be you. Like, yeah. that term UBU can be hijacked a little bit. And my way of using it is like, hey, God made you with a purpose and a plan, and he has gifts for you, and he has things for you to do. So then on the flip side, I was like, man, our kids are struggling with this the same, if not more yeah. than us, like we just talked about. And so what if we created this amazing cute board book and I can say that because I had nothing to do with how good it looks <laughs> um for little kids and the premise basically is there's this cactus named Sammy and he looks around at everyone who can do other things they can run they can skip they can fly they can burrow on the ground all the things and he starts to feel like what's wrong with me I can't do these things and mm. that's what we do as humans we look around and think man they have these gifts why can't I do that and what Sammy learns towards the end of the book is like Hey, you have great things that you provide us and God made you to be this way. So use your gifts. And my thought is like, man, I'm 45. I'm still struggling with this. And so what if we yeah. could get a book into our kids' hands that would just reinforce the fact that says God made you to be you, not anyone else. Mm. Well, we can apply this to our parenting kids. Mm -hmm. God made you to be you, not me. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. Be, be you, be you. Yep. And we can yep. entrust them into the Lord as we are teaching them to be them, to be how mm -hmm. God has created them. God created yep. them in the image of himself mm -hmm. and to reflect him and to, he gave them specific gifts, specific dreams, specific um, talents and good work before the foundation of the world. God yep. had a plan for these kids. So 
We are going to just keep learning how to entrust them to you, Lord. That's a, that's our goal. When we return, we'll keep talking about it. Welcome back to Living by Faith. It has been such a fun and enjoyable conversation and one that we all can relate to if we have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have a niece. We are all watching this next generation grow in a unique and different world, and we're trying to figure out how to raise them. And it is hard, but we are doing it. We are entrusting these little lives into the Lord's hands. That's what we have to do. And our lines, our phone lines are open. If you have a question, give us a call at 877-548-3675 or 877-LIVE-675. We'd also love to hear from you via email at livingbyfaith@moody.edu. Let us know where you're listening, which city. And if if you have a question, great. Or you can tell us a story, something that um, is encouraging that you've seen or um, experienced with your children or this next generation. One of the things that I have loved about this next generation is that they seem to to really care about mm-hmm. um justice and care for their neighbor at -hmm. least maybe it's just this little circle that i've seen and i i could be just seeing a a little bit but i i I think that you're right on uh, yeah yeah it's been it's been interesting now you said that you have kids going to college and two boys starting their senior year Mm -hmm. or Wait, two. Yeah, that's no, that's that's right. The same. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have a boy going to college. He's going to be a sophomore, but he's going off to school for the first time. He stayed home and did community college. And then I have two boys that are going to be seniors. And then I have a daughter who's going to be a sophomore. Three of our kids, in case your listeners don't know, joined our family through adoption. So my two seniors are not twins, but they're around the same age. So yeah, it's a whole, we're about to step into some new world over here, Trillia. You are. And it's going to, I mean, you're going to have just the one. For, Mm -hmm. I guess, three years then. Yeah, two years with just her. This is what I've learned. I've learned this to parents is, and and again, we've only launched one at a high school, but I've learned that you just don't, it's not a given that they're going to leave. And that's not a good Uh, or a bad thing. It's just a fact. (laughs) It's just not a given. Like my son stayed home an extra year. We got this bonus year with him, which was amazing. Um, And so I'm kind of holding everything loosely. Like I just don't know what's going to happen. But I will say that, when I turned 45 this year and then we're going into this next year of kids moving on into different things, my husband, Aaron, and I look at our fifties and really feel like, God, what's next? Like, it's like, it's one of the first times in a long time I felt so excited about a next season. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I'm just like, excited about what God might do. I love my kids. Oh my gosh, being a mom is one of my greatest joys in the world. But I also am fully understanding the cycle of life. And the cycle of life is that these kids go on and start their own lives. And that's how it's supposed to be. And so I'm embracing what's next for Aaron and I and really excited about it. Okay. So you just said that you, you, when the kids leave, they don't always leave. And we have Susan from Georgia on the line. And okay. I would love to hear from you, Susan. I think we have Susan. Susan, are you there? Oh, we do not yet have Susan. So 
the thing is, is that you're right. I think we now have Susan. <laughs> Susan, come. go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, I am. My, I am a great grandmother trying to raise three great grandkids. Yeah. And I have a, um, a 12-year-old female who is struggling the last year going into sixth grade and seventh grade this year yeah. and trying to guide friendships without putting other kids down, mm-hmm. but maybe the influences might be I see negative coming from the uh, influences that the others might have on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at school, you know, they see each other, of course. And, but, and, and I struggle with this attitude, you know, we're supposed to love everybody and I'd like to mm-hmm. see them all be successful. But how do I balance that with mine <laughs> and theirs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, That's such so a good hard. question. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. It is. And you are, you said you are a great grandmother mm-hmm. raising yeah. these wonderful kids. Yeah. And so, and so Jamie, I would love to ask yeah. you, how do you help kids yeah. navigate friendship? Oh, it and is so hard. It is. It's so hard because as the adult, and especially as the parent or the great grandparent in this, in this situation, who's raising these kids and loving them, you look and you're like, I don't think this is best for you. Like I just see yeah. the bigger picture and this doesn't feel like it's best. And so for me as a parent, there's two things that come to mind. Number one is literally pray and ask God for, to disconnect them. Like ask God yes. to put a wedge between them, not in a bad way, not in sin, teenagers they have new friends every year i mean it's not that uh, normal for someone to get a new best friend every year in sixth seventh eighth grade okay now we don't want anything bad to happen but you really can't ask god god would you kind of steer their lives in different directions would you move them out of the same circles and then my next advice is this is to know that there's two things at play here one the reality that they will be friends forever is slim the reality that they're going to be friends for the next seven years is slim because that's how friendships in middle school and high school work so there's that reality that you can hold on to but then there's also this reality of like you get to also have the opportunity to steer them in different directions and this is tricky because what i never want to do is tell my kids they can't hang out with someone because i don't like them because guess what that kid then wants to do only hang out with that person. And so I'm really guarded with my words. If there's a friend that I don't feel comfortable with, I'm not going to outright come out and say, and people might disagree with me. That's fine. And I'm not going to say like, Hey, I don't like this person. And so you cannot hang out with them because what that does is that person, that kid's like, well, yes, I can. I want to hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. And so then it might entice them to be sneaky. It might entice them to go behind your back. And I don't want that. But what I do want is how do I make connections for my kids with other people? So I'm going to say yes to other friends coming over. Not that I'm going to say no. Does that make sense? Like you just kind of be a little sneaky about it, but not in a weird, bad way. That's my, that's what I try to do. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we have an open door policy in our home, especially Uh for kids in our neighborhood, because if we want them to come into a safe environment where the where the Lord is. Mm -hmm. And and so we can and and I want to get to know our our kids, friends. And Mm -hmm. so we have we've kind of applied a similar policy. We do not if we know that there is a child who um, may be doing some things that aren't healthy or good we we will say okay so you 
you're not going to go into their home or, right. or we, we might limit. OK, so we're not going to have you just hang out alone, but they're always welcome into our home. Bring them. Bring all the right. people. 100 <laughs> percent. Always. And so but it is hard. Susan, thank you for this call. Thank you. It is it is hard. And and we aren't great grandmothers, but but this is something that we we should be thinking through. We don't know what the what's going to happen. And and as you said, we were talking about launching our kids Mm -hmm. into the next season, but there are so many grandparents who are raising the next generation who are caring for um, kids. And so I think it's it's smart for those of us who aren't to keep that muscle going and mm-hmm. and be thinking, okay, how can we still love and care for that next generation? Because you just don't know. And um, so, Susan, we really are grateful for for that. And that can call. I say this to Susan real quick? Yes. I want to say to Susan and everyone else is that the fact that you're concerned about this and that you care, you're you're doing the right thing. Like you have a heart of concern for the child that you're raising. And I think I want to give moms and grandparents and great grandparents a little bit more confidence to know that even when it feels hard, even when it feels like you don't know what to do, the fact that you're caring and the fact that you're bringing it to the Lord, it shows like, man, there's a tender spirit inside of you that really does desire great, good things for this child. And so don't feel like I'm a terrible person because this is happening. I'm a bad mom. All the things feel like, no, I have the agency. I can talk to the Lord about this. Like I can give this to him and I can ask him to help me make the best possible decision in this time and then walk forward mm. in confidence. Mm. Amen. Okay. So tell us one thing, one thing that you wish that you had known now or that you wish you had known at the beginning stages that you know now. Mm. I mean, I, I, oh gosh, Trillia, one thing, there's a million. Um, It goes so fast. And that is a a thing that I wish I would have known. One thing that I'm telling a lot of moms who were in this stage of young, young kids is I wish I would have had the mindset to understand that that stage of young, young kids is literally the shortest amount of parenting that you'll do. Yes. It's the shortest. (laughs) It's the shortest. Like literally parenting a four to seven year old is the shortest stage now once they get 12 to 18 that's where it gets like hard and that's where it happens so it's short guys it is so short and i would like to thank my guest jamie ivy for joining me today also thanks to the behind the scenes team at moody radio my producer karen hendren my engineer courtney young and charles on the phones tune in next week i'll be talking to ruth joe simons to hear today's program again you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the moody radio app you may also connect with us through facebook twitter and instagram at living by faith living by faith is a production of moody radio a ministry of moody bible institute